Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. Tonight, I'm joined, as normal, by the Keegan and Toshiak of the programme, Tommy Keegan and Pete Warburton, and I'm also joined tonight by, by Mike, who, who also organises the, the Steps of Stephen Walks, and, and, as I say, has done a lot of other walks, made a lot of money for, the, for this charity. So, as normal, we're going to start off and chat about our last game. So, you know, Tottenham yesterday, a 4-3 win. To say it was a, a game that sort of summed up Liverpool's season, I think, is an understatement. First 15 minutes, superb. And then, after about 20-25 minutes, the foot was off the gas and we let Tottenham back in the game. So, we'll start with you, Tom, and thought, what were your impressions of the game? Same, it, it, I seem to be going through Groundhog Day. Again, we started absolutely amazing first 15 minutes, right at, at them fast tempo, scored the goals early. And then after about after about 25, 30 minutes, we, I think, to be fair, Tottenham changed the tactics and come at us a little bit more and, and were a little bit better organised. But they started to get a little bit of a foothold. I think Liverpool started to... To start to play a bit, a bit slower, a bit keep possession and sort of have what we hold, and then we found them. We, we were hanging on towards. He, he got a good goal. Kane could have had another one, but um, it, again, it's it's the second half. We we sort of we hung. We 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 were hanging on without really creating any, but keeping possession and playing well generally, but. We we let ourselves open a little bit and we got caught with two goals, two late goals, and then Jota got the third by a mistake. But but I think overall ecstatic with the results. But I think the performances sort of mirrors the season very much. Really, I thought Curtis Jones again was excellent. I thought Trent excellent again. I thought Mo Salah was was superb. But overall, I think happy with the results. Peace. Yeah, very similar. Um, after 15 minutes, we were all thinking, well, this could be another Bournemouth here if we carry on. And unfortunately, you can't do that to Tottenham. As bad as they were at Newcastle and as bad as they were at our place for 15 and 20 minutes, they're a very good counter-attacking side. And once you take your foot off the gas or you just lose a bit of concentration, they can kill you. They can kill you with the players they've got. And it just—it was like our season rolled in for ninety minutes yesterday, where we played some very good football, and no one, no one could live with us when we do that. And then we just seem to—you know—you say take your foot off the gas, but we just seem so lackadaisical and stuff we were doing. We had the warning before their first goal when Trent, uh, when Virgil got back on the line and cleared off the line, and that was a, a major warning, and we just didn't learn our lesson from that. And whether it's something to do with this new system we're employing where Trent comes inside um, and leaves us open, I mean, you know, I know Virgil's flipped and it was unfortunate for their first goal. But when you looked, the cross came in and there was Canasi was, was miles away from it. He, he, was, he was still running back. And we lose possession sometimes in really difficult areas and we with the makings of our own disasters at times. But when when... The Charleston equalised. It was like a defeat. We were, we were just dead. We were just dead sitting there thinking, what's happened here? And within like a couple of minutes, we're walking out the ground singing our heads off the Jossa song. And it's just like you go from the, 
absolute lows to the mad highs with Liverpool. And it just reminded me of the second Newcastle 4-3, where um, we were 3-0 up and coasting in that game, let Newcastle come back into it. And then once again, we win it at the death. But as I say, it was just our season just rolled in. You know, if you want to want to have a video of our season, just show the Tottenham at home game, because that's what, that's what we've been like. Very good. And, you know, it's like the old saying, we went from the ridiculous to the sublime and back again sort of thing, you know. Mike, what was your view? It, it, it was a it was a weird game, wasn't it? I, I think if you look at the last uh, four games, I think that the one thing that stuck out for me is the fact that when the opponents score an important goal, we've always been able to go back and score quickly. And that's something in the early part of the season we haven't done. You look at Leeds when Canati made his mistake, Jota scored three minutes later. Same at West Ham, two, twice when uh, Forrest scored. Um, we we went ahead again pretty soon afterwards. And I think that's kind of the difference now. It, it, it frustrates, doesn't it, when we get sloppy? And that's that's all it was. We got sloppy uh, at the back after a fantastic twenty five minutes. We got sloppy. It, it, it frustrates me. I'm gonna I'm gonna see in row three of the uh, lower Kenny, and you kind of see in the first half at the back where I, it really frustrates me when you see defenders letting the ball stop. Uh, keep pinging it around. That's what. That's when we're playing really well. They, they ping it around. They get it across the defence really quickly and they start attacks. It starts to come a bit aimless and it starts to allow the, the opposition to come on. But you still wouldn't bet against Liverpool because at, at this moment in time, if adversity comes, we, we've always got a goal in us. And the last four games have shown that. Let's just hope they can carry it on to the end of the season. Fair points there, Mike. My view is very similar to what you've all said. I thought first 15 minutes, absolutely superb. Like Pete said, I thought we were going to get five or six. But then I thought I thought Robbo, for me, was the catalyst for the, um, for the sort of complacency, if you want to call it that, or the taking the foot off the gas he made. Two mistakes within the space of a few minutes to give Spurs the confidence. And as as was said there, you know, Virgil stopped one on the line. You know, they also at the post out, you know, on the lines when you know belatedly flagged for offside. And then we just we just give them the initiative and we just couldn't pick up the pace again. The pass had become slow. Players who were good, you know, when they're when they're going's good, reverted to type when they're going gets tough. Yodi go and hide. Um, and then, you know, in the second half again, you know, Tottenham, Tottenham, I think, hit the bar in the post within the space of a couple of minutes in the in the second half from, from one attack. And, and we never really looked like scoring in the second half. In fact, I can't remember a save that the, the opposition keeper really had to make. And when you see Richarlison coming on and the fact that he had to score the league goal, you know, for Tottenham, you feared the worst, especially after... Yo, Son had got it back to three two. You thought, here goes. He's bound to get the the third, the, the equaliser here. And sure enough, from an awful decision from Tierney, by the way, where it's right in front of the linesman, and Salah's getting pulled back. Yo, for a good a good sort of twenty seconds, and then the fella goes down, holding his head, and and Tierney, you know, gives them a free kick, and then. That's what really upset Klopp for the incident that we'll talk about later. 
But then they get a free kick, ball goes in the box, and it's 3-3. And then you, you think to yourself, you know, how the hell have we got into this mess? Where we're 3-0 up and cruising. And now, you know, from nowhere, it's back to 3-3. And you couldn't really hand on hard say on the on the chances created that Tottenham didn't deserve it. And then, lo and behold, we go up the other end. Lucas Moura plays a lovely pass into, into Jotson. It was a fantastic finish right in the corner. And as Pete said, you know, you go from despair one minute, you know, and then everybody's going out the, out the stadium singing the Jota song. So, Mike, you made a good point there about the last the last few games where, you know, Liverpool, you know, have conceded goals and scored again quite quickly. So that to me shows a little bit that the, the positive mentality is coming back where that's what it was like in previous seasons. If we conceded, we always thought we were going to score. And, you know, that part of the game is coming back. Um, and I just hope that, you know, that as they start to get used to the system, and I think of fans a little bit, we have to give them a little bit of leeway in these few games we've seen now in the end of the season. Yes, we want to win them all. But in a way, it's like an early pre-season for them to try and, you know, get used to the system. Um, and I know we'll be getting some new players in in the summer, but at least the players who are going to stay, you'll be getting used to a new system, Trent's getting used to a new position, and the defence are having to get used to, you know, playing a different system as well, going from a four to a three in a way. So, you know, all that, you, you've got to give them a little bit of leeway, but they, they don't have test test your nerves and, and your stress levels. Um, but what I'd like to do now is sort of, as you always do at the end of the first section, I want to give you ask your opinions on two players' performances. I've already touched on one, and the second one will come to no surprise to Tommy. Um, my first one is, what did you think of Andy Robertson's performance? And the second player I want to ask you about is Harvey Elliott. So I'll come to you, Pete, first on this one. I think I think yesterday was one of Robbo's uh, poorer performances, like, when we when we got after that first blistering opening, as as Mike was saying, the passing was just not there. We're a much better team when we move the ball quickly, and that's just, I know everyone says, well, everyone's a better team when you do that, but we, if we can keep the tempo up, and I think Robert was as guilty as anyone. Some of his defensive work was really good; he was covering and that, but it was when when we were on the offense, he, he some of his passing was was short and it was wayward and. He just didn't seem to be on it yesterday. And I think he knew himself because he was he was doing his utmost to try and rectify any mistakes that were made, you know. But um Harvey Elliott, the other one, he once again, I mean, there wasn't one player in in the eleven really who didn't shine in that first 25, 35 minutes. And Harvey Elliott was one of them. He was helping move the ball, zip the ball. And I know pre-kickoff, we we always go for the pine pre-kickoff. And then um, there were a couple of eyebrows raised. Now, I know Thiago wasn't even on the bench, so I don't know if he was a late omission. I don't know what happened with Thiago. And maybe Harvey came in late. I was glad that um, I was glad that Curtis Jones kept his place and it was sort of, you know, for him to score as well early on like that, it was brilliant. So I don't know if Harvey Elliott was a late introduction and I think maybe Thiago may have started the game, but I'm not too sure why he was out in all honesty. I don't know if it was sickness or he, he had an injury, I don't know. But, um, he's injured, Pete. Is he, he injured? Was, 
apparently he was limping up the touchline when when he was walking to the bench before the game. Right. Okay, but even so, as I say, it's. I mean, I was. I know you've asked. You, you've touched on two players, and I've said what I think. Um, you know, just quickly, I think Cody had another good game. He's showing really good glimpses. Cody Gakpo, and he won the penalty for the third goal. Um, but it, it was just one of them. We showed we showed Haas and uh, to come back like we did, and, and I actually screamed <coughs> after the kickoff. I said, "Don't start playing now." He hadn't been playing for sixty minutes. And then, and then suddenly they just find something from somewhere. But you know, we've got two two games, two more home games coming up. Um, big six points to go for. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully that will drive us up into, you know, I don't think we'll make top four, but drive us certainly into fifth place. Mike, what did you think of Rob Owen and Elliot's performance? Robo Robo's strange, wasn't it? Because he was great. And then he made about three or four rickets, didn't he, in a short period of time? Miscontrols that 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 dropped us right in it. Um, second half, like I said, I'm lower Kenny, so he was on my side. Second half, and, and he was really going for it. Second half, whether that's in his mind that he thought, I, you know, I messed up first half, but I, I thought second half he was better. He could have got closer to to Porro a few times, but. Um, I, I thought he had a decent second half, but the first half there were quite a lot of, of, of like I say, rickets that, that that kind of dropped us in it, and 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 I, I don't know whether that was the catalyst to, to our defensive kind of lethargy, but um, yeah, I mean, he's 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 consistent, but for that period it wasn't quite the same, Harvey. Harvey is 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 a bit of an enigma, isn't it? Because I don't think anybody really knows what his best position is. He works so hard, constantly. Um, yeah, I think Pete mentioned it in the certainly in the first half. He he was a major contributor to the uh, um, to to the good period. It's interesting because when you see Trent playing in that midfield, you see a number of people end up playing a kind of temporary right back at times. I've seen Mo, Mo ends up there. Harvey ended up there quite a lot in the first half. He did, he did all right. He did fine, you know. Um, and, and you know, we've, he's young. We've got to give him a chance to, to you know, settle into the team and become a, become a player. If that's what he does, I'll be really pleased for him because he's got the skill. Tom, what do you reckon? You know, Mike's just used a word I would use. I'll start with Harvey Elliott first. I, I, I thought, I, I thought he is an enigma. I thought the first fifteen minutes, I thought he first fifteen twenty minutes, he was excellent. He was doing a lot of running. He was getting out down down out wide. He was doing he was doing really well, and all the more positive things was coming from him and from Curtis. But as Mike said, with with Trent moving into the middle. It is players dropping by. So all these players, these young players now, I think whereas this system suits Curtis perfectly because I think he's thriving now in in in, in with Trent into the mid, moving into the midfield. But for other players, it's a little bit more difficult. I think as we struggled a little bit, I think he struggled a little bit. I think he didn't he didn't he wasn't as effective. In 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 the second half, I still think he worked. I still, you know, I would never criticise the lad. I think he worked really hard. He put in a shift. 
I mean, you can argue that you can say that oh sometimes I don't think he does this or he, he doesn't do that. But I think I think he worked hard and he and he the the, the things that he done he done okay. I think he, I think he was more of a, a seven out seven out of ten six to seven out of ten performance. But I, I think do you know what what we tend to do with players? You know, like we sometimes we think when. These are kids, these, these, you know, like him, especially him. He's 19 years of age coming on to 20. He, he's a baby, you know, to be playing in the first team and to hold him down a place and to be doing well in the first half. I, I think you've got to cut, the, cut him a little bit of slack and move on to Andy. Andy Robinson, in the, it, I think Andy Robinson over the last couple of weeks, I think... His crossing into the box has not been is not been great. I think he's been a little bit. He's been a player that I, I don't know whether you, I'll use your words, Les. Like you know, a little bit dipped in, a little bit in confidence in himself, and like he's struggling from you know the the all the games that he's played. But I thought, I thought he was careless with his passing. Back there, I think there was two. You know the rickets that we talked about. One was the back pass, which that which caused I think Virgil to have to clear it off the line. But I think when he when he goes forward, I I, I think I don't know. I, I you feel I feel terrible having a go at Robbo because you know like he gives you he, whether whether he he makes mistakes or whether he he doesn't get close to players he gives everything he leaves nothing out you know he takes nothing else on the pitch he gives you a hundred percent every game but I think he's he's just a little bit off him Ali turned and said to me as we were chatting he said I'd have took him off. After about 70, 75 minutes, I brought on Simakash, which are, you know, when when the, the substitutions were being made. So I, I think maybe he, he needs a rest. I don't know, but I'm not going to criticise Andy Robbo because, as I say, he does give everything. It was just a bad day at the office for Robbo, as far mm. as I'm concerned, which all players do have. I just thought that, um, you know, the, the two rickets that you mentioned were the catalyst for for Tottenham sort of getting the confidence to come back in the game. And then I think after the second one, I don't know whether it was an individual in the cop or the cop in general. But when 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 Tottenham were um were going to take the corner, Robert walked in the box and stared the cop down. So I don't know whether he picked out an individual who was having a go at him or whether he was sort of having a look at the cop to say, look, I know I've done I've messed up, but don't get on my back, support me, so to speak. And um but yeah, I thought he was better in the second half than the first. And I just wonder myself whether, again, you know, as I said earlier, it's more a case of you just wonder whether he's trying to adapt to the new system as well and knowing what his role is and when to go forward and when not to. So that could also be, you know, part of the, the issue he's having from time to time. But I've no doubts, you know, for Robbo as a player, Going forward for Liverpool, I still think you'll be the mainstay of the team and the squad for a good few years yet. And, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we come away with the points. So uh, he didn't, the rickets that he made didn't cost cost the goal. But I do think that as, as a team, they have to learn that, you know, when an individual makes a mistake like that, 
because they've took the foot off the gas and the, and the tempo's dropped, that it can't give the opposition a boost and let them back in the game. As for Harvey, I agree with everything you've all said. I thought that for the first 15, 20 minutes, he was very good. He played a lovely through ball at one point that nearly set up a goal. But then when Tottenham started to get control of the midfield, I just think he became totally ineffective. The game seemed to pass him by. He didn't really influence the game at all. You know, he's trying ever so hard. I'd never, ever criticise him for lack of efforts. He's putting everything he's got into the performance, but it's just not getting him anywhere when you're you're in the trenches. And I totally take Tom's point that he is 19 going on 20 and you do have to give him a little bit of slack. And that's fair enough. I also concur with what Mike said in that, you know, that... You know, you wonder what his best position is because I don't think, in my opinion, he's quick enough to play, say, on the on the where Salah plays, um, because I don't think he, he beats his fullback. And when Liverpool are on top, he's fine. But to me, he's a bit of a luxury player that will be great when you're on top. You've got plenty of the ball and he'll create. But once the going gets tough, then he's not one you want on the pitch. And I didn't think he was any surprise. You know, 10 minutes or so into the second half when he was substituted. And I just wonder, you know, as we all do, really what his is, what is long-term position will be at Liverpool. Um, and, you know, when the new players come in in the summer, you know, how further down the pecking order, that's going to push him. Obviously, depending on which other players leave. One other player I'd like to mention as well is Fabinho. I thought once again, when Liverpool were on top yesterday, he looked quite good, looked quite reassuring. But once you know, Tottenham started to get a bit of control, I thought he went missing again as well in action. So, again, you know, that's a, another position, really. And I just wonder as well whether you know, the, the issues that we're having you know, at the back a little bit, if the midfield is fixed and we get quicker legs, more energy in the midfield, will that help solve the the problems that the, the defence are having and I suppose we'll only find that out when the when the new players come in. So before we move on from the uh, from the game on Sunday, just a quick one. Who was your man of the match? Mike, you first. Oh dear me, you put me on a spot there. I, I, I'd have to say Mo. I thought Mo uh, was... The, the, there was a point, you know, when he used to score them goals that he did against Everton and Roma and Southampton, and he used to score them from the corner of the box. Uh, and he stopped doing that now. There was a point in the first half I turned to the mate and said, uh, he's going to score one of them goals this, this day. He, he was playing superbly in the first half. So it, his chances became less in the second half because the game went that way. But I thought he was superb. Tom, player of the match. <laughs> Yeah, I go with Mo. But I'd like to, I, I thought Mo, I told you, his ball retention, he just, he, you know, he never, ever loses the ball. He keeps the ball and, you know, like, and he, and he, and he brings players into play. I think he was superb, as Mike said yesterday. I, I, I thought one, one thing highlighted his performance yesterday where we, I think, I think it was on Robbo's side. We come running right back into the right into the right back position. Just a brilliant tackle to win the ball. It just it, it just epitomised. He's one of the, the the older players in the team, the senior players in the team. 
and like he's grafting harder than the most. And you know, else I, I, I've mentioned cases and I've mentioned um, and strengths. I thought were, were excellent again, but I thought Diaz, you know, considering he's been out, he's come back and he's he's only played probably less than thirty-five minutes in the two games that he played. Thought he was excellent. You know, he took his goal brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly. You wouldn't have thought he's he's been out at all. So I'd like to mention him, but more overall for me. Pete? I was actually going to say, Diaz, he's stolen me thunder again, hasn't he? Um, Sorry, 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 Pete. I just think think it was evident from the kickoff with, with Diaz in the team, the tempo we played at. And I know we waned a bit later on and we... You know, we weren't as good. But I just think him coming into the start in the 11, it was just a boost for everyone. And like Tommy said, he, he took his goal well. But, you know, I agree with Tom and Mike as well. Salah, Salah gets buffeted and kicked. And, and for little reward, to be honest. And he, he just gets on with it. He worked so hard for the team. And I remember that that tracking back and the tackle he did. And the whole ground was up for it. He was, he was good. But overall, because of where he's been this season and the injuries had and coming back into that game, I'd like to give it to Louis Diaz, to be honest. I thought he was brilliant. And he, he obviously tired towards the end, which you'd expect, but he was a constant menace for Tottenham. You could see you could see when he was running at them, they, they were at sixes and sevens at the back in that first half hour. And um, I thought Trent had another good game and I made up the Curtis scored as well. That's, you know, it's just going to take him even better. He's He's really settling in well, cases. So, but overall, I'd give it to Diaz, to be honest. For me, I would I would give it to Curtis purely because I thought he did what I wanted him to do, and I've been saying what I wanted him to do on this pod now for weeks. Have attempts on goal because he can score goals, and I thought he took his goal very very well and showed what he's capable of. And I'm sure a confident Curtis could get between. If he played on a semi-regular basis, could get between six and ten goals from midfield per season because he's got that goal-scoring ability in him. I also agree with with Tom and Mike. I thought Mo was excellent, and the, the the one that Tom mentioned there, where he's running back, you know, towards his own goal and you know wins possession back, you know, the, to stop a counter-attack from Tottenham was superb, and it was fantastic to see Louis Diaz back. He gives us so much balance. On that side, he he's an elite footballer, is Louis. And if you know, if he can add, if he can add sort of goals to his game on a consistent basis, then you've got one hell of a player, you know, on your on your hands. You know, now that he's over, you know, his knee injury and Pete's right. You know, Trent's had another good game. So now there was an incident in that game when when Jota scored the winning goal, and you know, Jurgen pulls his hamstring while trying to celebrate. In front of the fourth official, he gets a yellow card from Tierney. And then, you know, after the game on Sky, Jürgen says, I don't want to really go in what, what was said to me by, by Tierney when he, was, when he was booking me. Then the PGML MOL come out with a statement saying they've listened to the audio. And basically, Tierney acted in a professional manner all the way through. So, you know, I'll go to you first on this one, Tom. And ask you, what did you think of the the whole incident from you know from Klopp doing what he did right through to the 
to this sort of statement from, from the PGMOL and also Tierney's performance as a whole? Well, where do you, where do you begin with Tierney? He, 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 he's, he, he has a problem with Liverpool. He, they, they say he, he doesn't, he's not biased. He's, I found out today he's from Wigan, isn't he? he I think... I thought he was poor overall, but then it's difficult to, to look and think. He's given us a penalty. He he should have he should have sent Skip off for the tackle on Diaz. It was it was a tackle. He, it's all right. Match of the day saying that he, he he made slight contact with the ball. If he made slight contact, it was the slightest contact that you've ever seen in your life. And he stamped on, on Louis Diaz's ankle. So it was a it was a red card for me. Very similar to what Ali Kane done down in, in there. And he let that go. He let that go as well. Jota, I think Jota, I think Jota was was lucky that he wasn't sent off because you've seen players sent off for that. And I, I think I, I think from that point of view, I know I know um he, he, he got his foot to the ball slightly and but his foot was was high and in the with the letter of the law as they say he could have gone for that. So overall I didn't think Terry was particularly good. I think where the me one thing that I have a, a concern over over what happened with, with Jürgen on the line. Is now somebody's somebody is telling lies, aren't they? Uh, that's 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 the danger in this situation. The, P, the PGA or the PGAMOL, whatever they're called, they they're actually they're actually saying they've listened to the audio. Well, I think now they've got to bring the audio out. Because don't stop. I think they'll have to, Les, because you you can't you can't say. Um, we've listened to the audio, and we, you know, um, um, well, we, you know, he never said nothing, and then charge Jurgen Klopp because how how can he? you, you, you it, football referees is the only game where referees are not answerable or not and not allowed to say. Anything so then so what happens on a football pitch pitch stays on a football pitch where the referees concerned they can say anything it's the same with the linesman the linesman who elbowed Robbo who apologised you know and he said he, he never elbowed him he just put his elbow up and it's in, in the face but like you you have got to you've got to be able to be answerable so. I think Jürgen Klopp's going to get in a lot of trouble for this because they'll make an example of him. So I, I, that's my that's, that's my take on it. Little Mike, wacky, but Mike, what's yours? Um, it, well, it's difficult to know, isn't it? About about what was said, uh, we haven't heard it. Uh, I don't have a huge amount of trust for PGMOL um, based on previous statements and performances. I think it. I think that it can go one or two ways. They'll it'll just drop if if they're not prepared to risk public showing of whatever was said. It'll just drop if they genuinely think they've got a case. Then they'll have to share it at least with Liverpool Football Club, so that they've got a right reply. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Don't know. Didn't you know? Jürgen's probably got to calm himself down a little bit on the touchline. He's already said that 
you know, he didn't say anything at fault uh, uh, when the goal went into the thing, but he knows he shouldn't have done it. Um, it, it it's not going to help him to do that, but it, it's his passion, isn't it? And his, and his hamstrings paid the price. Tierney's, Tierney's a strange one. Um, Tierney seems to be present when a lot of the really big mistakes take place. The Rodri handball, the, the Harry Kane and the, the Jota penalty, um, the, the, um, the two red cards. And then you get into the situation bar of consistency, don't you? Because um, the Jota red card, um, Harlan did something earlier in the season and, and everyone came out, even Dermot Gallagher came out and said, no, well, he was going for the ball, he didn't see the man, all that kind of stuff. So it, it wasn't a, a red card. And similar to uh, the, the skip one on um, uh, Diaz, uh, Virgil did one on a, an Everton player and there's been others like that. So you've either got to go one way or the other. They're all, they're all reds or they're all not. But all these people going on about the fact that there should have been two red cards, there couldn't possibly have been two red cards in that game. Because if the first one was a red card, the player who got fouled in the second one wouldn't have been on the pitch. So uh, it's all a bit mad, isn't it? And 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 that I was just astonished when he gave that free kick against Mo for uh, getting away from the man trying to rugby tackle him and rip his shirt off his back. I mean, how that is a foul by Mo is quite ridiculous. Yeah, I think I agree with Mike there. I think you're yeah, going to probably be a bit embarrassed this morning about his actions. I've had a look at the, the game back and, and Mason was as, as culpable. He wasn't maybe as vociferous as Jürgen was, but he was having a yell at the fourth official after Jota's goal because he was probably moaning that he shouldn't have been on the pitch. I mean, where I sit in the main stand, I was right level with the tackle on, on Diaz and it was naughty. I mean, yeah, he did get the ball, but he, he, he kept his stubs up. He didn't even get a free kick for that. We got nothing. He didn't get a yellow card or anything. I thought... I thought VAR was brought in to help and assist the referee, and to me that was that was a mistake he made. If nothing else, it was it should have been a free kick and a, and a yellow card at the at the least. Um, the the Jossa one. <laughs> you, you wonder if that thing earlier on in the season it was against Crystal Palace, I think, when Haaland had his foot raised. It was it was almost identical to the one that that Mane got sent off against Man City a few years ago. And the, I think the thing what probably aided uh, Jota not being sent off was the fact that, yeah, he touched the ball. Um, I think it was just the injury to, to skip after. There was so much blood and gore about that he obviously, you know, he obviously collided. His foot got him. And I think probably the fact that he actually got the ball and he was intent on looking at the ball rather than the man, which helped in his favour. Um I mean, I, I was upset when Sadio got sent off of the, the Etihad because he was just looking at the ball constantly. But you think that's what, what VAR's for? And, you know, unless, I don't know, some of the decisions that are being made, um, as I was saying before, against Momo gets kicked to high heaven week in, week out. And he was having the shirt pulled off him yesterday. And because he, he didn't raise his arm in, in temper, he was just trying to shrug the lad off. And as I think it was Davis, was it? Ben Davis, he holds his head, so straight away there's a free kick given. And then resulting from that, they end up at the other end of the pitch to score. But as for the as for what's going to happen, I don't know whether whether they'll make it public or whether they'll just 
I'm sure he'll get some sort of... Um, but he'll get his fingers wrapped over this. He might have a touchline ban. He might have a financial fine. He might have some, I don't know. But they're gonna they're gonna close ranks together, the referees, and and you know, you're not gonna see any anything from their side. Um but yeah, we always have problems with Tierney. Everyone when when you see Tierney coming out as referee, you just wonder what you're gonna get next, sort of thing. You know, it's um some of his officiating is is beyond the pale, to be honest. I, I, I tend to agree with everything what you've all said there. I thought Tierney was performance was awful, not just for Liverpool, but for both teams, I just think he's generally a poor referee. And what gets me is, and this is where the PGMOL lose credibility, is that there used to be a thing, and I don't know whether they still stand, called referees assessors. Now, if he's getting assessed, not just when he's refereeing Liverpool, but when he's refereeing all Premier League games, how is he still an official in the in the Premier League? Because he's 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 so far below standard, it's unbelievable. I mean, everything, as far as I'm concerned, everything yesterday was caused by, by Tierney. The <coughs> fact that he didn't send Skip off for the foul on Diaz, which could have broke his ankle, right, and put him out again for another long period of time just after he's come back, you know, from a, from a bad knee injury. He, he, as I say, he doesn't even book him. He doesn't even give a free kick. And for him to say he got the ball, what's happened to the follow-through? I've seen players get sent off before because of the follow-through. So, so you know, you, they can't keep moving the goalposts where the rules are concerned. Then there was the Jota one on skip. And, yeah, you know, that was dangerous. But the only player I've ever seen sent off for the high boots was Mane against, um, against Manchester City at the empty yard. So there's, there's no consistency there. And as Pete said, if you're going by what Haaland did earlier in the season where for Manchester City against Crystal Palace... They, they, at least they were consistent because they sent neither player off. But yeah, you, you think, look at it, it as an isolated incident. You would think that Jota was lucky not to see red. But then the whole thing with Jürgen celebrating in, the fo- in front of the fourth official, as I said earlier, was caused because Taney once again gave a poor decision in not giving a free kick to Liverpool. He gives a free kick to Liverpool there. Tottenham don't get the, get the third goal. So I know overall... Abysmal performance by Tierney. And referees need to have, have some sort of punishment for poor performances. And and that's something that Howard Webb and the PGML need to sort of bring into, bring into the game. So the, there's jeopardy for what they do. Right, that's enough said. Can I just on... say one thing oh, quick on oh. that, Les? Just one thing. Do you know what's funny, isn't it? When, whenever Tierney referees a game... At the end of the the end of the match, everybody's talking about Tierney. You know what I mean? It, it, it they're always talking about Tierney's performance or Tierney has not done this or Tierney's made a terrible mistake or Tierney. It he 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 seems to be the common denominator in, in most of the games, doesn't he? He is a poor referee. I think when you know. As you said with assessors, I see Mike was was nodding. So they, obviously they don't have assessors anymore. I don't think so. But but that you've got to look at, at this referee and think he makes bad decisions literally every game. I can't remember a game where you've not walked out and thought 
he, he, you know, he's had a good game. Even Kavana last week, I said to you, Les, and to everyone last week, I thought Kavana played, had a good game against West Ham. And, you know, so, and he's one of the ones you usually think is bad. But you could never say that about Tierney. And that's, you know, like, that's so, I think it's all about Paul Tierney, sadly. I think the sooner we don't have him anymore, the better. What's on there, Tom? Right, so now we'll go over to Mike to tell us a little bit about the money he's raised, you know, for the Derby River Foundation, Steps for Stevens, etc. And just talk a little bit about your, the upcoming walk you're organising. And we'll get you one for, you know, a special show to talk about the walk more in, in a broader sense. But if you just give us a, a very sort of small overview, really, of, of what you've been doing, Mike. Thanks, Les. Um, okay, so uh, Tom knows about this because he's taken part in some. Well, I, I guess you have as well, haven't you, Les? Take part in some of these walks in the past. But this all started about two thousand seven when me and my brother-in-law Woody decided to 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 try and raise some money for a hospice that my mum died in, and it kind of snowballed a little bit since then. And we've been doing stuff every year, and they've started to grow bigger and bigger, um, and. Uh, through um, various walks, a lot of them Hillsborough-related, uh, we met Tony Kelly, uh, ex of uh, Bolton Wanderers. Um, and then uh, probably, it was 2019, got a phone call from Tony, and he started to tell me the story of Stephen Darby and how, um, I mean, we'd all heard from the, the, the paper uh, and the media that about his MND diagnosis, but he, he was he was just saying what a lovely bloke he is, and he'd like to be able to do something for him. So we we set up the first steps for Stephen Walk in um, in 2019 in October, uh, and it was a walk from Bradford to um, Liverpool around probably 16 other stadiums. It was a it was a 175 mile walk, which is really bad, but uh, map reading if you're going from Bradford to Liverpool but uh, we got we got two teams of 12 people taking part but we got we had Tony and John McGinley as part of that and everything um, has kind of snowballed from there um, we've done one every year for we, we we raise money for other 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 charities as well but um, since 2019 we were asked Stephen asked us to um, be patrons for the Derby Rimmer MD Foundation. So it's kind of become a bit of an obsession to try and set up um, events to try and raise money for, for that. For those of you who don't know much about the foundation, it's set up between by Stephen and his good mate, British serviceman Chris Rimmer, who sadly uh, died last year. But uh, they set it up with three main aims, which is to raise awareness of MD, to... Um, to provide funds for families uh, with M and E sufferers, so that because they have to remodel their homes and build wet rooms, and wet um, shower rooms, etc., um, as the as the disease takes hold, and also to to fund um, um, to fund uh, research into into a cure because. Um, there's a lot of really good research going on at the moment to find this. There's no cure for MND at the moment, but hopefully within um, within our lifetime there'll be um, something that uh, that means that it isn't um, the, the horrific um, life sentence that it is now. Um, so 
this is the, the last one we did uh, in in March was a tribute event to Chris Rimmer who died, uh, like I say, last year. So we um, we had a, a brilliant um, twenty one mile circular walk around Liverpool, starting and end of the ground. We had um, Chris Kirkland walked, Jay, Jay Spearing walked, and and on that walk we we started to talk to Chris about the idea of redoing the uh, the Bradford to Liverpool walk next year. But instead of having Joe Public in the team, we were going to try and get a core team of 16 ex-pro footballers who wanted to uh, support Stephen. And we're working on this now. Um, Chris Kirkland stepped forward. We've also signed up uh, John McGinley and Jamie Hoyland. Um, there's another chap, Martin Paul, signed up. Martin was Marcus Stewart's best man and teammate at Bristol Rovers. Uh, and he now runs the uh, Tyrone Mings Academy. Um, Marcus Stewart's uh, another one that has recently been diagnosed with MND. And his wife is now a trustee of the foundation. And um, so uh, hopefully... Um, we're going to get a team of, of, of 16, but also have lots of other people coming to join us on the way. Um, so early days, because that's March next year. We've got another one in, I work for a bank in, in Birmingham uh, at the moment, and we've got a big one in uh, the whole of the bank, um, taking hopefully as much as many of them as we can get taking part in, a, in an 18-mile tour of Birmingham, uh, which will visit Villa, West Brom, Alexandra Stadium, Birmingham City, uh, and Edgebaston. So that's in September. So hopefully we've raised, certainly between the events Woody and I have raised uh, 70 grand so far for them. We're hoping to double that by uh, by the end of uh, the March event next year. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an absolute privilege to work with people like Stephen uh, and Marcus Stewart who, despite their own situation, despite the challenge they face, they are motivated to help as many other people as they possibly can. They are truly some of the most inspirational characters. You'll have all seen the likes of Rob, Rob Burrow and uh, Doug Weir. Uh, and, uh, it, it's just a privilege to know these guys. And I'll, I'll, as I said to him once recently, I'll do anything I can to help him. That's brilliant, that, Mike. Go on, Tom. Yeah, can I just uh, just say about my... Do you know I was part of the walk when we'd done the, the Hillsborough walk? And, you know, we raised... Through, well, not... Mike raised £20,000 for Alderay at the time. He, he, he does an, a tremendous amount of work. Really, really hard work, which he, which he, 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 he runs it perfectly... And under the radar, and a lot of people, you, I think, you know, like he would never sit here and, and take a lot of credit, but he deserves a lot of credit for the work that he does. He's an amazing man. And working close, when I went on the wall close up with him, you realise how hard that he did, him and Woody work, you know. So I'd like everybody who listens to the pod to know that, you know, and support anything that Mike does. Because it, it, there's such good charities that he works for. Yeah, we both, did, we both did the Steps of Stephen walk, didn't we, from Anfield to Melwood, Tom? And yeah, back again. we did. 
Uh, <coughs> that was superbly organised by Mike as well. And, you know, I got to know Stephen Darby through the supporters club, you know, and it's heartbreaking to see, you know, what he's going through at the minute. But, it, but as I say, he's an inspiration to everybody. So, Pete, do you want to say anything? To be honest, I, I haven't been on any of the walks, to be honest, but just to reiterate what Tom said, that a lot of these people, you know, they're unsung heroes, these people who organise these, these charity things. And they might not want to step forward and, and get the gongs all the time, but they do deserve credit for doing this. And, you know, without people like the likes of Mike and, and who organise these things, some of these charities, you know, they, they wouldn't be anywhere near where they are today. So hats off to them and may it long continue as well. I'll try and join you on the next one, Mike, because I didn't go, I didn't come on any. Well, I promise though, Mike, I promise that we're, we're, I'm waiting for, for the two operations, but they'll be done by the end of this year. But I promise you that if when we new knee, I promise I'll walk the next one. No, you yeah. got a new knee, you're going to run, Tom. <laughs> I won't be running, I'll be walking at a good pace. Yeah, but as I say, Mike, we will get you on sort of near at the time of the walk or any time you ask us, do you think it's going to be beneficial for you to come on? And we'll just do a complete show on the walk. Um, and if you want to get anybody to come on with you, maybe a couple of the players or former players who are doing the walk, they don't have to be connected with Liverpool. Um, you know, just just let us know. We'll be, we'll be happy to, uh, you know, to do a pod just on the walk to give you as much publicity and support as we can. So that'd be, that'd be, that'd be great. Thanks, Les. Yeah, no worries. Um, so now we'll move on to preview the game against Fulham and Anfield on Wednesday night. So hopefully Liverpool will continue the the winning run. Um, so we'll go to you first on this piece. And I know we get this wrong all the time, but the first question I'll ask you is: Do you expect it to be? Any changes from the team that started against Tottenham on Sunday? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they might might start Henderson. Um, they might. I, I don't know. I mean, we've got another game coming up quickly after this, and and they're coming up. You know, there's another game Saturday evening, isn't it, against Brentford? So maybe he, he might bring. Um, Simicass in for Robbo. We might give Robbo a bit of a rest. Might bring Henderson in from the start and maybe leave Elliot on the bench this time. I don't know how long term or otherwise Thiago is. Um, but I think the front three. Um, yeah, I think Salah will start and I think Diaz will start again. So it's just a case of whether um, Jota starts the game. Obviously, we've got Nunes there, but he seems to keep Nunes back. So. I think there might be a couple of changes. Maybe Simicast at left back and Henderson coming into the midfield for Harvey, I would think. Mike, what do you reckon? I, I, I don't I don't disagree with anything Pete said there, really. I, I think the Simicast thing might be a good shout. I, I think uh, it, it entirely depends on, on the situation around um, uh, Thiago. Although, you know Jürgen. Jürgen always pulls a fast one. We didn't expect Harvey to be playing. We might turn up against uh, uh, Fulham and Milner's in the team, so uh, you, you don't know. I, I'd love to see um, Luis Diaz get the, the start again. It's all about minutes for him, isn't it? I mean, I, I think 
you know, he, he, he got, what, 65 this time, maybe he gets 75 next time. But uh, but I think I, I think it won't be that far from the team. I think at this, at this stage of the season, he tends to keep it relatively consistent. Tom, what do you think, mate? Yeah, mainly, mainly the same. I think Timakas is a, is a good shout. I think he might give Andy, take Andy Rob out for the game. I think, do you know what? You, you don't know, you might, you might change Gapco for, for Nunes and give, he needs, he needs games, Nunes. I think he needs a little bit of a run, consistency. But, you know, I, I, I didn't, I looked at Jota, I, I, someone said he had a, a sore back and that was the reason why he was left out. Maybe he'll, he'll leave, he'll leave him out for another, you know, for another, another bit and bring, Diaz in again to give him half a game with with Jota. I don't know, but I think you're going to have to use Nunes somewhere along the line just to give him a little bit of a, a bit of game time. But it, again, with Jürgen, I wouldn't expect. I don't think Harvey Elliott will play less. I think I think you bring um, Henderson back for that probably. But the back four back four will probably be Canate again with with Virgil. I just wonder as well whether he will play Simicast purely and simply because of the new system. And I wonder because Robbo sometimes plays now, doesn't he, as like a third centre-back? So I just wonder, and I don't know, but it's just a, a view and I want to ask you lads as well. I think come to you after in a minute, Pete. Do you, do you think Simicast, seeing that you sort of suggested it first, do you think Simicast could play the Robbo role as the, as the third centre-back type of thing? Or because he... He's a little bit smaller than Robbo as well. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't see Simicast doing that. And I suppose if you wanted to do that, you could bring in maybe a Joe Gomez, but then you lose something naturally left, left-sided left going forward on the left. So I, yeah. I tend to think that Robbo will, Robbo will stay in the side. So go on, Pete, what's your I think, I think with uh, I think with Simicast, going forward, he's... He's better offensively. There have been times when he's been playing and he's been sort of been on the rack a bit defensively. Whereas Robbo, although he had an indifferent game on Saturday, his defensive duties, apart from the, a couple of poor passes that he did, but he, he was, you know, like Mike said, second half, he was really getting stuck in as if to rice his wrongs, you know. So I can't see Simicast filling, filling in that role where he's coming in as a third centre-back, to be honest. Um but I, th- I still think he might get a start against Fulham. I really do. Because depending on, obviously, the personnel Fulham pick, Mitrovic is a handful up, up top. But he's he's not going to run away from you, Mitrovic. He's not pacey. But he will cause problems. But I don't know. I, th- I think he might give him a start. And, and going forward, as I say, offensively, he's, he's just as good as Robbo in my eyes. He, he puts some really good crosses into the box, Simicas. Um I think if Joe Gomez was to come in, he, he's more, he'd probably cover more on the right side. I think Joe wouldn't. He? He's not, he's, you know, you'd see him covering that side, maybe starting at right back and covering as a centre back that way. But I don't think, I don't think he's going to push Trent right into the midfield straight away. I think um, that might be for next season, depending on who we sign, you know. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll go with Simicast, to be honest, but we, we might get. You know, you could get found out, but I don't think um I don't think height wise it's it's the answer, but pace wise, I've got nothing against him. It's just that he seems to tire Simicast. If he does make a start, 
he's probably run his race by 70 minutes. He's always flagging towards the end. So he, he might get, he might start him and bring Robbo on later on. Yeah, Tom, Fulham have done well this season. The, they've, I think they've surprised everybody under Marco Silva and how well they've adapted you know, to, to the first season back in the Premier League. They've got some, some good players in there. You know, Polino's done very well and has been linked with Liverpool. Harry Wilson has had a good season. You know, they're going to miss Mitrovic, um, you know, on Wednesday because he's still suspended. Um, so what's your views on Fulham? Uh, you've been really surprised by them, Leslie. You know, they've, they've took a few big scalps along the way, haven't they? You know, I think they've played really well. I think it'll be a, diff- a difficult game. They're, they're, they're the good side on the break, aren't they? They tend to play... I think the first game of the season proved showed us that you know, like they quite they break quite quickly. So I think it'll be a, a really interesting game. I think Liverpool will win, but I, I think Fulham will, will give us a hard game. You know, it'd be a, probably another game where we start either we start slowly and then we get better in the second half, or it'll we'll be absolutely devastating in the first half and then a bit quieter in the second half. I no doubt, but. I, I, I fancy I fancy Liverpool to beat beat Fulham. Go on, Tom, give us a score then. Oh, do you know what? I got I, I actually I actually predicted that Curtis Jones would score the first goal. Uh, on um, I'll put it up on one of the lads put out. I just felt he'd score. So I'm. Do you know what I'm going to go for? I want to go for Liverpool to win three one. And I, do you know what I fancy to score the first to score the first goal? Diaz, if he plays. Okay. Mike, what do you reckon? Well, I was thinking exactly the same score as uh, as Tom there. I was thinking 3-1. Um, I, I, it, the thing is, you just you just don't see Liverpool keeping a clean sheet at the moment, do you? The, 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 it, it's difficult, but I, I still. But we're scoring, aren't we? So you know, I think we'll get three. I think we'll get. Uh, I mean, it, it could be another three-two you know, with with the way we defend. And I think half the problem with our defenders is we're still trying to work out the best way to play this system. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I think we'll win. Um, don't tend to like making predictions these days, but uh, I, I think I can see three-one. Pete, what do you think? I didn't realise Mitrovic was still out because I was thinking he'd start. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, to be honest. Um, but I remember last time when we when we previewed the West Ham game, I got that right. I said 2-1. I'm going to go a bit more uh, expansive this time. I, I, like Mike said, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet because we just haven't got it in us. So I'm going to go for 4-1. I think we'll have a really good go at them. But it should be a good match yeah. Wednesday. Like you say, they're, they're an attractive side for them under, oh, under yeah. um, the new, you know, relatively new manager. Um, and they, they have surprised a lot of people this season. So I'm going to go for 4-1. I think we might. We had four shots on targets against Tottenham. We scored every one. So I'm going for four again. Right. I'm going to surprise <laughs> I'm going to go for a, a Liverpool clean sheet. And I'm going to go for a 2-0 victory. Um, mm. and so let, I've got confidence in Virgil and Anibu to, to keep a clean sheet. Um, so, so we'll see. As long as we come away with the three points and it's a Liverpool win, I don't really care what the score is. But anyway, that's it. That's the end of the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. I'd like again to thank Tommy and Peter and Mike Wilson for joining us tonight as our special guest. And always remember, everybody, 
Don't buy the sun. Justice for the 97 and you'll never walk alone. Until next time, see you soon.